You're listening to the Simply Flawsome Show, a podcast designed for you to listen, learn, and leverage. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Exciting guest today, and I'm really looking forward to speaking to her. My guest today, she's the founder of Mina Speakers. She's a serial entrepreneur, a professional speaker, and a communications expert. Her experience comes from academia, the boardroom, and hours and hours of stage time. So it's pretty evident that my guest today, she's not afraid of hard work. And in today's podcast, she will be sharing not only her backstory, but will also be providing guidance on how you can become a professional and paid expert and public speaker. So I'd like to welcome Zana Assam to the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Susanna, you've got quite an impressive resume. So for the listeners that don't know who you are, would you share your story with us, your backstory, and how you, how you got to get to where you are today? Oh, yes, absolutely. So how far back, like 1987, I was born? <laughs> um, this, so I'm born actually from Palestinian parents, born literally in transit in between countries as uh, political refugees from Lebanon on the way to Sweden. So in transit, I come out on that journey in Germany. Yes, and we had to take a little pause in our journey. (laughs) I didn't manage to pick up the German because I was only three months old. And then we moved on to Sweden. And that's where we finally landed and started building, rebuilding our lives. And so I spent about 15 years. In, you in, were born in transit or you were conceived in transit? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was literally born in transit. You were born in transit. Yeah. So your parents knew they were, your mom obviously knew she was about to have you. And yeah. she, all the more reason to escape the, yes. the situation and the political environment you were in yeah normally in these situations uh you get so my parents got very short lead time like you have to leave lebanon now they were based out of lebanon and so they pretty much packed their stuff and left within a couple of hours for the safety of the family Mm -hmm. and so yeah there i came germany (laughs) and then i got raised in sweden i've been there most of my formative years um, and then ended up in Wales for about two years at a boarding school called the uh, United World College, full of scholarship there. And from there on, I just continued my international journey of academia and work and just studied and worked in various countries. And it was purely on our own initiative, um, getting scholarships or jobs that would support that and support my curiosity and adventure. So fast forward a few years studying economics um, and landed uh, an incredible award called Female Economist of the Year in 2010. Mm-hmm. And this was based on merit, my, my thesis work, and it was Swedish and American kind of business life CEOs and academics that decided that. Part of that journey and test was actually to put me in a room and they did like a social test. So you're welcome to the student, and then there are a bunch of CEOs, very intimidating, <laughs> like a castle-like environment, and they are chit-chatting with you, and they're gauging your social interactions, and that was one of the criterias, amongst other things, in that process. 
So I could only dream of winning that prize. I wasn't even you know, sure it was going to happen. But I did, and that was a huge honor. And then come 2010, got a lot of coverage and support and sponsorship along the way. And that's really how my speaking career started. So I got invited to different stages out in Northern Europe as a speaker. And so initially it was just an invite like, hey, we read about you. Do you want to come and speak? As a student, you know, you're bold, you're young. You're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why wouldn't I do that? And so I went up on stage, spoke my truth and just spoke from a place of authenticity. It wasn't structured at all. I was super nervous, but I just kind of shared my thoughts. And when I stepped off that first stage ever, um, I was approached by uh, a lady and she asked me if I wanted to do the same speech for her business. And she said she didn't have much of a budget, but she had a budget. And she said, oh, do you mind speaking for this amount? And wow. like, I was so like, you got your first paid speaking gig I from did. your first major kind of um, public speaking event. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. It and it wasn't that planned by the sounds of it. You just spoke from the heart. Yes. I mean, it was in a sense, it was planned what I wanted to say. Okay. Um, Proper preparation yeah, <laughs> prepares yeah. peak performance. You know yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> it's like the five Ps. Okay. And so I had planned what my messages would be and what I wanted to convey, but it wasn't structured. Knowing what I know today about public speaking, it wasn't stereotypically structured or using any frameworks. It's just speaking authentic- authentically mm-hmm. with a certain rawness. And so that worked, and that's kind of where I went, oh my goodness, you can get paid to speak. Mm. What? <laughs> What's going on here? And that kickstarted my whole speaking career and touring um, around Northern Europe, and then having an agency kind of pick me up, represent me there, and sending me on speaking engagements around there. Mm-hmm. I did that for a while um, until I felt like I wanted to make use of my degree because I had studied for however many years (laughs) to get a master's in economics and I really wanted to use that so uh, I went back to banking and uh, pursued a a career within the financial sector how did you enjoy that Uh, I enjoyed it a lot Mm -hmm. at one point I was working as a gold trader so I was trading precious metals and so supplying central banks with gold bullion is pretty exciting for a student that's just graduated it's thrilling to understand the mechanics of how like central bank works and the economy works and just seeing it physically, like going into these vaults of gold. (laughs) It's incredible. At some point, however, in that career, I spent about, you know, six years doing it. I felt like it was a little bit, I'm going to use the word soul crushing. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. It was fun, but there was something that wasn't right. And it wasn't like a panicky, like this isn't, you need to leave now. It was just like a small voice that was saying, oh, you're not really in in your element. You're not in the right place. You can, you want to do more. And so I felt like I wasn't aligning with my values. I liked it. I could do well. I did well. I was a high performer at the banks and these financial services companies, but it really wasn't in line with who I was and what I wanted to do, which is to serve my society and be of service to something greater than myself as opposed to making people richer only. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting how our paths kind of unwind. Um, 
because you're, from what you've just explained to me, your speaking career, it, it happened as a kind of, um, as a result of, of your degree and, and what you'd achieved and the accolades that you'd achieved. And then, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting how kind of, it kind of interwines and um, evolves. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's almost like, you find that something pulls you. So when you're in a place of curiosity and you're talking to people and you're uh, interviewing for jobs and internships and all of that, you will gravitate towards the things that appeal to you a bit more. So with that said, I was getting, I was attending the interviews to the banks and the financial sectors and the consultancies and all of that, which, you, which is the rite of passage if you've studied economics. But I was still gravitating towards the idea of being on stage, mm -hmm. being a speaker, being a person that empowers other people in a very direct capacity. And so that thing has been with me throughout my whole career. So even as a banker, I would end up being on the stage talking about economics, mm -hmm. on the stage talk, representing the bank in the media in some capacity because it was something that I was gravitating towards, educating other people. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, what, is, what is your mission with your work, Sana? Oh, fabulous question. <laughs> so, I have a, a big mission statement, and it's been the driving force from day zero, and that is to create an improved state of the world through great dialogue. And it might sound like really big words, and in a sense it is, but I do truly believe that the roadmap to peace comes from us being able to speak up, speak up constructively, own our voice, and really express what's on our mind and listen just as well. So that dialogue element, if we're able to master our own communication, then we're able to master a dialogue. And so that, in short, is my mission statement, to create an improved state of the world through great dialogue. Communication absolutely fascinates me. Um, the reason I started this podcast, in a way, was to um, it, it was to provide a platform for the book, which I was telling you about before we we went on on air today, before we started recording. But it was also to challenge fears that that, that I have about communicating and about speaking in public as well. And it's uh, such the way we communicate with people. It's it's just everything. It's such, you know, you, you know, your words can raise somebody up or they can drag somebody down. And, you know, just having an awareness of how important communication is, is um, it's a great skill to possess. Yes, absolutely. And the beauty about this, which I learned later in life, I didn't learn this from being in school. I learned this from being, doing what I'm doing today and really researching into mm -hmm. this. So you can learn. <laughs> it's a skill. <laughs> you can become a really great communicator. You are able to... So let's put it this way. There is research that shows that a dialogue that will be not so constructive, so miscommunication or arguments, well, up to 96% can we see if that's going to happen or not within the first three minutes of any conversation. Right? So if somebody starts with a hostile conversation, we know that most likely that whole conversation is not going to end up 
on a very great note. It's probably going to end up on a very sour note. Mm-hmm. And the other applies too, the other way around. So if you're going into conversation, it's positive, it's constructive, it's building, then that conversation is going to end up an equally as powerful and empowering type of conversation. So communication is predictable. And miscommunication is preventable. Right? Isn't that fascinating? And this mm-hmm. comes from the research of uh, Gottman, John mm-hmm. Gottman and the Gottman Institute. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of techniques you can use to really build relationships, rapport, you know, marriages, <laughs> friendships, manage your colleagues, so on and so forth. Yeah, which brings me on to my next question, which is NLP. You're a practitioner with NLP. How important is NLP to, to communication and, and how do you incorporate that into to what you do? Great. So NLP, yes, uh, I do use it every now and then and the techniques that come with it. So it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And these are techniques that you use to you know, disrupt a, a pattern of thinking, uh, plant in new positive patterns of thinking and behaviors. And so they're very practical tools, yeah? So I use that in a, in a situation where if I am working with a client, I'm coaching a client, I'm public speaking, and I feel like they need to work on the confidence element, then I will use the NLP techniques in order to really infuse that person with a strong anchor around feeling confident when they're up on stage, which takes me back to communication. Public speaking is a skill set which can be quickly improved (laughs) with the right techniques and the right support Mm -hmm. yeah so the days of being scared or the fear of public speaking they can be long gone just get the help get the support you know (laughs) can you give the listeners three tips on how they can improve their communication skills three actionable tips okay great so First of all, if, if this, is, this is something that is so instrumental for your career, I mean, we know that uh, great communicators will enhance their profitability to shareholders. They will be better leaders. There's a lot of research that supports these type of data. And so three tips. I have so many tips. One is, if this is something that you're suffering with, please just go and find a speech coach and somebody who within a couple of hours or a couple of days can quickly get you over that threshold so you go from feeling nervous to feeling incredibly confident and uh, very keen on being on stage it's a quick ordeal Um, in our case we're talking about 12 hours four sessions three hours each we've gone through the whole works we're done you're gonna walk out feeling incredibly confident the second thing is if you're feeling nerves the best way to combat nerves is to, you know, you, could, you want to put yourself in a more resourceful state. So take deep yogic breaths. Exactly. Inhale. Exhale. <laughs> if you don't want to do that, then you can go into a place of getting more oxygen in your body by laughing. So... <laughs> Right? And you see the following breath that comes with that? (laughs) Don't hold back your laughter now, Zoe. (laughs) 
amazing. You can do yeah, that. Just laughing puts you in a place of, you just feel so much better about yourself. Endorphins are coming in. Mm -hmm. Your cortisol is moving down, which is the stress hormone. So for sure, these things are going to help you be more resourceful, both physiologically, your body, but also your brain. And so the third thing would be again, proper preparation. When you know the journey you're taking your audience on, you're going to feel much more relaxed to enter the space of like deviating maybe from the script, interacting, because you know exactly what you're doing with your audience. So mm. prepare your speech, prepare your script, use the frameworks that are mm. out there to take everyone from A to Z. A couple of things that I've been thinking about doing <coughs> is um, having singing lessons. Mm. Um, because I was the only person at school not in the choir. There was about three kids in our year, and it was the most embarrassing thing in the world. I hated it. Um, but I think it's because I was so shy. I was literally so shy as a child. I, you know, I wouldn't dare put my hand up in the class and speak. And um, so, and I'm sure that there's a voice in there somewhere. So I was going to enroll in singing lessons. I've been meaning to do it for a while. And what was the other thing? Um, a comedy course, mm, great. you know, like stand-up comedy. Sure. Um, you know, in a way, I mean, that would probably be an incredible way sure. if you're quite kind of shy of being on stage. And yeah, sure. So you can do a set of different things. I mean, I love that. Uh, I myself was in a hear this in a gospel choir. <laughs> now I'm a Muslim. <laughs> And I was in a gospel choir. Yeah, I love gospel music. Yeah, because it's fun. And so I did that for a while. And, and, and then also other choirs that helped me improve my singing, my voice and all that. And mostly it was fun. That's what it was about. For sure you can do these, these things. Whatever will make you feel more comfortable in your own skin mm. and more confident to speak up, you should pursue. Because, again, this is a lifelong learning and lifelong journey type of thing. Mm -hmm where you can keep improving on your communication. However, with that said, it, there are some basics that need to be in place. If you want to go up and do a speech, what is the best framework? What is the best structure? How do you begin? How do you close? What is the most impactful way to present with your body? So sure, confidence is one element. But with knowledge, the confidence will follow. With knowledge, try it, and confidence will follow. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Sure, do that. It sounds like fun. <laughs> How important is nonverbal communication when you're public speaking or just in general, normally, when you're chatting to people? Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of data that circulates. And we haven't found a piece of research which I believe is perfect. And so what I tell my clients is that we divide the world into, I mean, one third is what you say, one third is how you say it with regards to your body language, and one third is your vocal projection, how you're using your voice. What's important is that you're speaking congruently. So when what you say and how you're saying it, they're in alignment. And your audience will pick up, and we are innately trained to pick up if somebody's not being sincere or not. And it's about being authentic and, and kind of when you're really in your authentic self, you're speaking your truth, naturally your body will follow. Yeah, 
yeah and i guess there's lots of patterns of behavior in our body language that when you're not telling the truth that the you know the way that you look with your eyes and and things like that that the experts can pick up on so if you're not coming from a place of authenticity subconsciously bearing in mind that the subconscious mind is the most powerful part of our brain it's probably likely to 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 show in our non-verbal communication if we're lying or we're being dishonest oh absolutely and so you will see cues because your brain moves faster than your words your spoken word right and so the brain will start through the body revealing what's actually going on and so you will see gestures with somebody for example shaking their head kind of implying no but what they're saying is implying something else as a way of, oh, I'm not really telling the truth. So, no, I'm not moving my head back and forth. Do you think forth. that might be to do with confidence, too? Um, speaking with authenticity. Uh, when you shake your head, do you think it might be a confident thing? Because, you know, that you don't have kind of belief in what you're saying. Not at all. Mm. If you are speaking from a place of truth and what you conviction, what you actually believe, then your body will follow. You'll find another tell. Now, I don't, you know, there's several tells, right? And you have to look at the collection of, like, the whole story. You can't just be like, okay, you're shaking your head. No, that's not true, is it? Or your eyes were looking in this direction. Mm. But another tell would be that your nose moves up, like, ugh. <laughs> so if you make that sound, ugh, then you see that your nose is moving up as a sign of disgust and so generally speaking you get that micro expression when you're when somebody's not being sincere um Mm. because we ourselves as humans don't like insincerity and so yes we will and individuals will be able to pick up on these tells of incongruency of course experts will be able to pick up on it at a higher level but humans in general are able to assess Sincerity, because you're entering a space of wanting to protect yourself. My own safety is at stake. So we do have these scanners and antennas that do decipher what's going on in front of you. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's so fascinating. Um, okay, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. Um, part of the reason I set up this podcast... Um, I've forgotten my question. I had that question in my mind and I've forgotten it. Um, I'll have to edit this bit. No, it's not there. Oh, it's mental health. Yes. Part of... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're, you I'm are an expert at this. Part of the reason I set up this podcast was because I'm writing a book at the moment, and um, it was to provide a platform, that book, which is on mental health, yeah. um, which is 30 Days to Mind Mastery, or 31 Days to Mind Mastery. Now... People kind of, I guess a lot of people may look at you, see where you're at in your life, that you've achieved all of this, you know, professionally. Mm. And quite often they don't see all the hard work and all the challenges that have gone into it. You know, um, you haven't only, you know, you're not only beautiful, you've got the brains to match that as well. And we know that, you know, there's a lot of things go on behind the scenes. Without going, you don't have to go into too much detail, but have you experienced any 
challenges with your mental health or experienced any adversity on the way that you would like to share with us? Great. So anybody who is uh, with me on Instagram will see my stories <laughs> in particular. A lot of behind the scenes of when it's 1am and we're trying to hit a deadline and it's just like, I'm on the floor. <laughs> And I recently posted about this because I, I love the question, I love your purpose, and I think it's important to raise the discussion around mental health. And uh, around Mental Health Awareness Day, I did post a picture on my Instagram, so at Sana Azam, you can find it there, where I'm talking about uh, in the new role that I'm preparing for, which is that I'm expecting a, a child, I obviously put on a lot of weight, and the, it had my self-image being shook up quite significantly because throughout our whole childhood as in particular as women and this is something that is well researched as well we have this whole notion of you get rewarded or acknowledged for beauty and appearances and and being slim and looking in a certain way and so now biology and nature is saying cannot be the case you have to gain all your kilos <laughs> in order to create life um, and being able to appreciate that this is what I'm doing, the divinity of creating a child, but at the same time, uh, you know, not feeling so great about the way I look and, and harmonizing these two and being at peace. And throughout my whole pregnancy, this is something that I have been battling with. And some days I just feel amazing. I'm going, this is a gift of, from God. I'm so thankful. And it is, it is. It's been a long journey to reach to this point. Uh, and I don't want to take that away ever, super grateful, but at the same time, this is how I'm feeling. And I'm sometimes not feeling great, and I'm going to honor that and just yeah. not It's pretend. really good for you to be honest about that, because, yeah, I mean, like you say, you, it is a gift from God. Um, but there are, the reality is, that is how we feel at times, mm -hmm. you know, especially being a woman. Um, you know, like with weight and stuff like that, you know, so yeah, it's really good. It's really good of you to kind of acknowledge and to admit that you look absolutely amazing though. You know, <laughs> I'm from the outsider looking in and it's like I said to you earlier, you don't look like you're, I mean, you've got seven weeks to go. Like seriously, like I probably, I probably thought you were maybe about five months pregnant, but again, maybe that's where the, you know, the height yeah, yeah. comes in sure. because you can carry the weight a lot more. But, you know, from what you see and what we see is completely different. Yes, and what you can see is I haven't <coughs> zipped up the skirt because I can't anymore. <laughs> and uh, it is what it is. And just surrendering to this idea. But of course, uh, mental health is an incredibly important topic and you never know what anybody's walking with and, and never judge a book by its cover exactly. because you really don't know what their narrative is. Mm -hmm. So compassion is something you should always start with in every interaction. My motto is that I love everyone from the very beginning. And that's my baseline when I start talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. You're perfect, you're great, and I, there is love here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%, thank you. I'm very interested to hear more about your book. Mm. You shared with me before we started the podcast that you're writing a book. Can you tell us a little bit more about the book, about the subject matter? Um, what inspired you to write it? 
about the journey as you know I'm writing one at the moment and I, you know it's um <laughs> I've experienced a few challenges along the way with that so um yeah can you can you share yes, that with us yes um so you know when I meet some when I meet individuals and they're saying you know I have fear of public speaking and then I see the transformations that happen very quickly when I coach people. I felt like I wanted to take that transformation from just a one-to-one -to, -one to a much larger audience and be able to impact and help other people. And so this is where I did something interesting. I, I brought in an intern from uh, a university in Abu Dhabi and she thought that she was going to do the usual stuff <laughs> that interns do, like admin work, whatever it may be. And I told her, well, you have a few weeks. By the end of your internship, I want to see a great inspirational speech uh, with an audience of professionals that will listen to you, and I want you to move them. And she looks at me with big wow. eyes. <laughs> She's like, oh my God, what have I done? But that's the way to do it, to challenge these interns at such an early age. Like you were challenged when you got on stage that sure. very first time. Sure. So I was thinking that if an intern uh, who's never had any form of formal training, doesn't do the corporate kind of presentations, if she's able to master this and I'm able to kind of deconstruct and really get into the psyche of of the fear and how to combat all of that and document it, then for sure I would be able to pay it forward to others that are reading the book and following her journey. So she, you know, made a documented journey. We had a lot of coaching conversations and then I used a lot of the frameworks that I use with my clients. So basically it's like a masterclass in book format. You should be able to pick up the book, read through the story from her perspective and then the guidance and the mentorship that comes with it and the framework. So you can use a pen and paper to build your own speech. So the story is, ba is based on the intern's experience. Interesting. Observations. I like the angle that you've come from. That's the whole story, the theme within the book. Yes. And then using the frameworks, the case studies, examples that I use with my clients. And then I was observing her interactions with it, documenting that as well, and then coming together and making a full story so that anybody can pick up the book and they are able to produce a speech after finishing the book. Simple. Yeah. Fascinating. Yes, yes, yes. And so the official book launch is happening at Sharjah International Book Fair, and it's happening on the 7th of November. Super excited. <laughs> so I'll be there at 8 p.m. signing books and uh, meeting people. How long did the book take you to complete from start to finish? Uh, this book has been with me on every vacation and break and weekend for the past two years. It's been a work in progress for two years. I'm figuring that you you wrote it with your own hand, metaphorically, rather than got a ghostwriter in. Absolutely. Given that, given that it's taken two years. Yes, the methodology is, is ones that we have developed mm -hmm. in-house. It's ones that I use with my clients specifically. It comes from being asset-tested repeatedly with numerous individuals, beginners to professionals. So across the range, absolutely wrote it myself. <laughs> and the exercises and everything there is comes from my heart. 
Yeah. Mm. I can totally see why people do get a ghostwriter. Is it? Um, you know, for me, you know, of course, I want it to be a passion. You know, I want it to come from the heart. You know, my first book, I do want to write myself, but the struggles. Like, I know a couple of people that have written a book and they've got a ghostwriter in, and I, you know. And I would form these judgments in my mind, like, oh, they didn't write it. They just got someone else to, to, to write it. But I can totally see now. I can totally see why somebody would do that. Because it can be very, very challenging. Yes. Um, you have numerous ways to write a book, in which some might be easier. You might want to use this method. One method was to voice memo. So you record your thoughts and the story you want to tell, and from there you sit and transcribe it. The spoken word is easier. Did you ever do that? That's Omar. 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 We interviewed Omar Bassadi. Yes, um, he's one of our speakers. Fantastic is he? guy. Yes, great guy. He. That's what he recommended to me, and uh, I never. I did try it once, but. I don't know, I just tend to type all mine out. Did you use that technique yourself? I used that when inspiration struck me and I needed it to be recorded somewhere. Yeah. And so parts of the book would have been created initially like that. Mm -hmm. And then I would transcribe it and then I would author it, which means I'm upgrading the language. So it's, it's kind of consistent with the rest of the narrative. It's definitely one way. Whatever will work for you. I just feel like you should never leave a story untold. And if this is something that you'd like to pursue, then this is definitely something you can do. I mean, when I did this, so before I actually published, got this book published, I went in and kind of beta tested the publishing experience and joined the collaborative book and wrote a chapter with 30 other women, so 29 other women, and uh, just to see how it feels to write a, a chapter, to work with a publisher, what can you do with a book? How do you sell a book? What happens next sort of a thing to demystify that whole experience. I love that experience so much that we rolled out the same thing here in the Middle East. So we have now a collaborative book for authors that want to maybe try out writing a book or a chapter in a book and to not leave a story un untold. So maybe you don't want to spend two years <laughs> in writing a book, but here you get a chapter, at least start your journey, or at least have that story out there. Yeah, that is a very good place to start at. I know a lot of people that have used, that have done that, they've collaborated with yeah. a book, and then they've moved on and, and, and written their own. Sure. Zana, you seem to me to be a very, very driven person. Um, you know, from when you went to university, um, to becoming a, a speaker, writing your book, etc., etc., Where does your drive and your motivation, where does it all come from? Mm. That's a great question. It's a deep one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's... Uh, there are many that are at play what is happening right now so my driver when I was 20 was really about just you know becoming a professional figuring out what I wanted in life figuring out what I wanted to do try to make money all of these things that was when I was younger today it's more about how can I support other people 
how can I support my team? How can we empower our audiences? Because I know and I feel like that is a sense of responsibility. What can I do for my greater community? Every time there is a great speaker on stage, we know that somebody in the audience is going to shift a little bit. That could be changing you know, their career or maybe working a little bit harder or coming a little bit closer to their truth, whatever that may be. And so that's a great privilege. That's a beautiful position to be in. So we're able to actually influence in a way that is positive and uplifting. That makes me wake up every morning and work seven days a week and be accessible in any capacity that I can to help other people. Would you say your background and what you, your parents experienced when you, you like, you know, your mom was pregnant with you, having to flee your home country, mm-hmm. do you feel that that's had an impact on, on, yeah. on, on you individually in, in your drive? Even though you were very young, I was speaking to um, another lady, Lubna Forsley, yeah. and um, she was telling me the story of when they emigrated to Canada. Her father was a, um, a university lecturer and he literally had to start from nothing. I think she was a lot older than you. Like You weren't even born at the time. So I'm wondering what impact that yeah. kind of had on you yeah. as, as, as a child and wanting to succeed and... Sure, sure. I think you can divide that, that whole driver into several different ones. As a child, it's, I'm the youngest child of eight. Wow, <laughs> big family. Yeah, we're a huge family. Almost like a football team. <laughs> we're almost there. Uh, definitely basketball team. However, when you're much younger, it's literally about mommy's love, daddy's love, getting attention, uh, being noticed from out of eight children, right? And then it moves, when I was a teenager, it moved into, oh my God, why am I the only dark person? I look different from everyone else. Why am I the only female in this room? Why am I the youngest person in this room? Oh my God, why are they not including me? Why am I not invited here? Yeah, because I guess you moved to Sweden and everyone, fair, blonde hair there. Yes, and pursued a banking career. Mm -hmm all white men <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah so that was a driver for a while wanting to prove that minorities are also welcome and can do well and and that i belong to the places i was in and and i was treated accordingly in the beginning and were you supported by your parents did you have a lot of support from your parents my parents have been incredible but of Why Audi, yeah. Yeah, so you parked in, we need to repack your car. You parked in someone else's parking. Okay. find someone to help. My keys, sorry about that. My keys are there. In the back. Do you you drive? My colleague would just drive. Yeah, the car's a bit of a mess inside. I apologize for that. (laughs) (laughs) Like an embarrassing mess. That's all right. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, where, where were we? Oh, your parents. Did your parents emotionally um how how supportive were they given that you were one of eight yeah but you know this with your background so i love my parents they're fantastic they're also uh, from a different generation mm. a different in a sense different culture mm-hmm. and so their priorities were are my kids 
alive, healthy? Have they been fed? Are they safe? Your basic needs are yeah. being met. Education, yes. food. Yes. Mm. And so they were wonderful. And I understand <clears throat> they did the best they could with the tools and knowledge they had. I completely understand that. And because of that, I also developed a high sense of independence very early on where you have to take care of yourself um, and it wasn't at all from their side it was just my own analysis of the situation it was my 15 year old sensibility at that point in time like you have to just take care of yourself get on with things um, and this is why I said my younger self was driven by money my younger self was driven by success because I wanted to create a stability for myself <laughs> this version of me is not uh, and I have a, a sense of I'm relaxed around it. I know things, you know, I know what I can do. I know my performance. I understand there is a safety net here. Mm -hmm. So I'm much more relaxed around that. Now it's more about self-fulfillment. It's about helping others. It's more altruistically driven. Mm -hmm. I guess that comes with maturity. I guess that comes with um, mm. creating your own security and being your own security blanket, not anybody else. Yeah, definitely. And I think evolving as a person and, you know when you do experience kind of an element of financial security, when you've kind of achieved that to a degree, and then yeah. it's kind of like, well, you know, is this everything that it's cracked up to be? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. There's kind of, oh. Sorry, that was my phone. <clears throat> yeah, okay, that's um, very interesting. Thank you for that. Um, do you ever get any feelings of self-doubt? Or have you always been very confident? You know, you've been speaking publicly from a long, long time now. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, I know you'd shared with me earlier that, that you did, like with the pregnancy and things like that. Yeah. Do you still get nervous before you go on stage? Yeah. Or do, you, yeah. do you ever get any of these feelings? Every time. Every time. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. Mm -hmm. I get nervous. So about two days before, this is where my husband takes a step back. <laughs> he knows now it's Sana focus time. It's almost like, you know, ahead of an exam at a university, you just full on crunch, study, preparation. So I go into this like overachiever mode um, and kind of perfectionist mindset. And I do get nervous, and I'm kind of questioning every angle, and is this great, is this going to work, yes or no. Just before I go up on stage, most certainly I'm getting a proper kick of nerves. The only difference is that today I am grateful that I feel this way. And I understand that if I don't, when I feel nervous, it's preparing me for to peak perform. When you're up on stage, it's not like when you're lying on the sofa in bed or in front of the TV and you're relaxed. It's your body saying, hey, you're excited. This is important. You want to be in a great kind of high alert sort of state and be super sharp. Let's rock and roll. Do you have a specific ritual before you go on stage? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I'll be chit-chatting with people because I would have done the work before. So when I do show up, it's about chit-chatting with people, seeing what they want to hear, understanding what the room is doing maybe I want to do some last minute changes in just kind of assessing what's going on to really get the speech right a friend of mine I wouldn't recommend that anybody do this however he has been public speak he's been a, a, a transformational motivational speaker for many 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 years mm -hmm. he doesn't plan 
I've never, he doesn't plan his speeches. Yeah. Uh, so it goes against everything that, that, that we say. All oh. he will do is he'll meditate. He'll yeah, meditate okay. for 20, 30 minutes before he goes on stage and think how he can best serve his audience. Then he goes out there and I'm telling you, I've never seen anyone speak like him. I don't know how he does it. Maybe it's the 10,000 hours thing. Yeah. You know, when you've been doing it yes. so, so much. Okay, so I love that you said that yourself, right? So I deal with some of the greatest speakers in the world through Mina Speakers, the business I'm running. You know, we are an agency. We represent the best speakers in the world. And so anybody who actually just says, I don't prepare at all, they have prepared so much previously that they don't need to prepare at all anymore, right? Any professional speaker, somebody who's done this for a long time, they have a huge repertoire. So they would come up with, you know, they have at least 50 stories, anecdotes, case studies, examples, facts, etc., that they're sitting with on and they would be able to prepare whenever needed. They have well-rehearsed stories with a punchline that is epic. Ding! <laughs> so for sure... Tried and tested. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So in a sense, I'm sure he doesn't prepare today. He has done his hours and he has done the work previously. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> For someone who has experience in public speaking, how do they, but they haven't actually had any paid speaking gigs, mm -hmm. how would they take it to the next level mm -hmm. and, you know, try and get some paid, paid gigs out of it and, uh, and do it as a profession? Fantastic question. I appreciate that you said that. So there is a journey for you to take, just like when you're applying to, for a job. So you have to go through certain steps. And so let's assume that your narrative is perfect. You're an expert in your field. Okay, so I'm just going to park that. And let's assume that your public speaking skills are also very good. So I'm just going to park that as well. So now we're down to the third element, which is how is your personal brand? Do people know you? Do you have a tribe? Or let's get even more practical. Do you have a headshot? <laughs> Do you have a bio that's good, that's sellable, that makes sense? Um, do you have testimonials? Do you have examples? Do you have videos? Is your packaging strong enough so that a client can read about you and get the necessary approvals through their hierarchy? You know, so maybe somebody finds you and then sends it to the manager and then sends it to the CEO or whomever approves it. Do you have enough marketing collateral and assets for you to be paid. Have you invested in your personal brand and your story and your public speaking enough for somebody else to invest in you? So I, I get this story or this question a lot. And I get the question of, well, I was good on stage once, twice, or in a panel discussion. Now, can you get me gigs? Well, <laughs> have you done enough about your personal brand or invested in yourself for somebody else to invest in you? And that's really the question. So it's about getting professional. And this is where we could help. We do have a platform, and I want as many great speakers as possible and aspiring speakers to get set up and start getting more access to the market and kind of learn what's needed. So we have a platform called Know Who Market. That's Nohu, K-N-O-W-H-O, market.com, Nohu Market. It's for free. 
you just register your profile. Mm. Is this part of Mina Speakers? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's our digital platform. Mina Speakers is the exclusive agency of select speakers mm -hmm. that are very professional. They're at parity with international speakers. And then Noho Market is where we have aspiring speakers, semi-professional, that we're grooming or that can get groomed or on their way. They're not yet there where they have an agency that can sign them on exclusively and then represent them, but they still get access. And every now and then we will pick up a rising star and put them on our books or our client that might want something specific will be able to find them directly there. And so that whole process, that matchmaking process is done digitally. Yeah, and so this has been in, in motion now for over a year. We have over, um, you know, a thousand speakers. And so I think this is a perfect place. We've found some really great gems there. Mm -hmm. And we have been able to put a lot of these people on stage already in, in different capacities. Mm -hmm. One of them was a six-year-old girl. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> Amazing. Zoe, are you going to sign on? <laughs> I'd love to, but I'm not sure I'm actually at that stage to uh, yet. I think I've got a bit of work to do if I'm being completely honest with myself. The journey of a thousand miles starts with one single step. Mm. Right? So you have to start somewhere. Mm. At least if you register there, you will see what's missing in your personal branding package. Mm. And you go, oh, okay, well, I need testimonials. Let me start collecting it mm. on my next podcast, speech, panel, or, oh, I need more pictures, let me do this, or I need more videos. You know, at least it becomes like a reminder of how do we build on. We have lots of podcasters there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, okay, I'll definitely, I will definitely look into that. For me, it's more about, um, I think I, I've been working on my personal brand a lot, and I do, I, I will be asking you for a testimonial. <laughs> Once the podcast is released, I will be asking you for a testimonial. I love it. And I do that with um, with most people that I interview. Um, Amazing. So I am building up my testimonials and, and the personal brand. But for me, it's actually stage time. It's actually the stage time itself. Yes. And that I probably haven't got the experience in, in, in that, but I am working on that. Amazing. You'd be surprised at how easy it is. You know, I think it's it's just the fear, you know, the stories that you tell yourself like over the years, you know, especially, you know, and, and it's weird that these limiting beliefs can still affect you today. I do feel that I've got the potential to be a good speaker once I start doing it and once I get the practice and practice and practice. Someone asked me to be on their podcast the other day. Oh, nice. The thought. No way. <laughs> Scared the living daylights out of me. Oh, you know, wow. it's one thing interviewing thing somebody, but, you know, actually being on a podcast. And I was saying to my friend, she was like, just do it. Just go on it. And I was like, well, when my book's out, I will do. She was like, no, just get on it now. Mm, you know, just do it now. Yeah. Do it now. Sit and pre prepare. Us, there's so many ways for you to prepare ahead of this so that your nerves will come down and then you know what you want to say and you're building your own narrative and trying out how it sounds like mm. as well. Yeah, do it for sure. I like your friend. <laughs> She's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Last question, because I know we've been chatting for a while now, 50 minutes. So 
Um, have you had any specific mentors over the years? And is there any particular advice that they've given you that you um, that has been mm-hmm. important to you? Yes. So I've had plenty of official and unofficial mentors, and I find that there is wisdom everywhere. Everywhere from sitting and talking to you, Zoe, has been incredible, and talking to other strangers sometimes. Sometimes the Instagram posts, you know, the memes, they could just be so wise. <laughs> um, one of my favorite quotes comes from uh, the father of the nation, Sheikh Zayed, and he says, education is a lantern which lights your way in a dark alley. And so... I think education is really a key for your personal development, for your growth, and for human evolution. Education is a lantern that lights your way in a dark alley. Yes. I like that one. It's gorgeous. I do like that. Mm. Okay, well, on that note, Sana, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest. Oh, thank you for having me. A pleasure getting to know you and and talking to you. And um, the best of luck with your book. Thank you so much. Hope to see you there. So, 7th of November, Sharjah Book Fair. Thank you. Thank you.